compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Okay, we are back. This is hour two of the Patrick Madrid Show. And you know the number, or if you don't number, know the number, here it is. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. And emails can go to patrick at relevantradio.com. Now, I was talking with you, Dee in New York before the break. We kind of ran out of time. You were asking, yeah. first of all, again, congratulations. You're coming into the church. You're going to get confirmed. What a wonderful day that is. And we're all welcoming you with open arms. And you were wondering about confirmation names. And you would ask me, can you have more than one? The answer is yes. It's a custom to have one, but you can have more than one if you wish. And then we got to the point about how would you use them, and we kind of ran out of time where you were asking about using them in lieu of your own name. So do you want to kind of restate your right. question from that point? Sure, sure. Okay, so I thought that you actually got to change your your name. Like, I didn't know I would be using Dee plus the, the, the other name I was choosing. I thought I could use, a, you know, choose another name just like, uh, Pope Francis chose a totally different name. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Um, okay, so let's start there. So, no, that's not the custom. The custom is that you, when you choose a saint, one or more, to be your special patron saints when you're confirmed, and that typically is because you admire and want to emulate something in that saint's life, some virtue or some heroic action or something like that. You want to be like her or be like him. And you're also choosing this name as a way of saying, I really like you, Saint so-and-so, and I'm asking you to kind of take me under your wing and pray for me, etc. So that's the custom. It does. It's never intended to replace your given name, your legal okay. name. Okay. And, you, and what I was saying about the legality of it, what I meant by that was if you were to buy a home or take out a bank account and you have to fill out the paperwork, you wouldn't use your your confirmation name in that it's, it doesn't have a legal character to it, but it's, it's for you and your heart. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's, that's very good to know because then I I could choose it too then (laughs) because it's not going to be legal anyway. Um, right. Cause I was was torn between, you know, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I no, 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 no. I was torn between them because I really do. I really do like St. Michael. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I knew it was a man's name, and I didn't want to be offensive to the church or anything Not like that. All. So that's why I was gonna. That's why I was gonna use Michelle. You know, the, the female mm-hmm. version of that. Well, yeah. That's thoughtful of you. But but no, the church would not frown. Um, you would not be doing anything untoward if you if you chose Michael as your confirmation name. Some women do that. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing whatsoever. Okay. Thank you. You're Thank welcome, you, Patrick. Dee Dee. Have a wonderful day. A wonderful yes, week. you too. And again, congratulations. We're all here at Relevant Radio, happy to hear the good news. And I hope that listening to Relevant Thank Radio you. has been helpful to you on the way in. Oh, it has been. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good chatting. 888-914-9149. Uh, back to some emails as well. I'm glad to be able to catch up on some of those. We have such a backlog. Um, this one comes in. Let's see, let's see, let's see. This is, um, okay. So this this one comes in from, uh, I have to always double check to see, does somebody want to be left anonymous? So here it goes. This is from Preston, and Preston is listening in the Midwest. I'm a young male Protestant. I listen to you all, I listen to you all every day after work. 
I studied art in college, but I have been working in a factory as a janitor since 2019. Most days, I feel invisible and hopeless. I never wanted to be stuck cleaning every night. At first, I thought it was a stopgap, but this is my fifth year of hoping to find a job in my field. Most days, I feel incredibly lonely, and the pain is immense. The pain of having this education and being so utterly useless hurts greatly. I'm losing hope in life in general. At work, I am blessed by having good people, but we all feel equally lost in the factory. I work with many Ecuadorians, and they are a bright spot in the factory for me. Sometimes, briefly, when I talk to them, I feel like I belong somewhere. Even though I am 28, I feel lost and I live without hope. I often pray to God to send me a sign for his will for my life. Many times, it feels like my prayers fall on deaf ears. I pray that I can make use of my artistic skill. I pray for a beautiful wife to love me, and I pray for a sense of purpose. Sometimes at the end of the day, I just wish I had a wife to come home to and to have someone to hold. It has been so many years now of searching and praying for these things. I often feel lost and sad. I see the good in my coworkers, my Ecuadorian friends. I see people striving for a better life, and I see Jesus in them. Ultimately, I just wish I was useful and had my own family. I wish I belonged somewhere. It has been a dark night of the soul for so long now. I know the Bible says God is there where two or three are gathered. If it is not too much to ask for, I would like to ask you guys here at Relevant Radio, and also, let's say, all of our listeners, I would like to ask you to please pray for me that I may be useful and that I find a wife and that God's will would be done. He says, I'm an artist, something I think would make an interesting topic in the sensual power of Catholic art. When I look at the artwork of my fellow Protestants, uh, it seems so sappy and sanitized. I think there is a human aspect that the Catholic art from Caravaggio to Bernini and even Mel Gibson's, um, he's referring to the movie, The Passion of the Christ, that there's a, there's a human aspect that this art captures. Even though I'm currently Protestant, it is the art of those three people that first attracted me to the Catholic Church and later opened me up to listen to other things, including you at Relevant Radio. I think when we see, when, I, I think he says, when we get rid of the sensual aspect in Christian art, we enter into a sort of Puritanism. It does not reach anyone. So I'd like to see a talk about that topic. Again, for all of his faults, I think that Mel Gibson or Shia LaBeouf are good examples of people who make good Christian art that isn't like something you'd see at the Hallmark store, but is truer to Jesus, in my opinion. And he says, anyway, thank you for your programs. Well, young man, let me begin by saying my heart really goes out to you. I feel a sort of fatherly um, sense of concern for your happiness and your welfare and the fact that you're lonely and you're feeling so marginalized that you don't have a place, you don't fit anywhere. I wish I could fix that for you. I can't, obviously, but I can give you some recommendations. Number one, you seem to be on the journey into the Catholic Church. That seems to be what's going on here. God is drawing you. And often, as you well know, God draws us through externals, so the beauty of some external things, so the beauty of, uh, let's say, the architecture of a Catholic cathedral, the symmetry, the, the beautiful filigree, the, 
the way it's constructed, all those things, they move you at a human level as they do so many people and they draw you. Uh, it could be the beauty of Gregorian chant. It could be the beauty of some other aspect of maybe the, the mass, the singing, that kind of thing. So this is a very common way in which the Lord will draw people to himself through the beauty of things. And we see this all the time, just in our own human experience. Men, you know what it's like. When you see the woman you fall in love with, you're attracted by her outer beauty. The way her hair looks, the way her eyes flash, her smile, her figure. I mean, all those things are things that are external beauty aspects, and they draw you, and they should draw you. I mean, under the right circumstances, of course. But my point is that those are the way that you begin to get to know this woman whose inner beauty you will get to know in due time. But it's often like the honeybee being attracted to a beautiful flower. The honeybee is going to go to it or the hummingbird is going to go to it because of that external beauty. So I think that's a lot of what's happening here if I had to guess, Preston, first of all. The second thing that comes to my mind is that you're seeking meaning, you're seeking belonging, you want a place. Now, I don't know what God's plan is for your life, but keep asking him to give you these desires of your heart. They're good. What you're asking for, these are good things. And then my next suggestion would be go to a local Catholic parish. Now, I'm, I'm, I know the town that you live in, and I know that in that particular city, there are many, many good Catholic parishes. So I would, if I were you, I would start looking around at different Catholic parishes and find one where you see a lot of signs of life. So young families with a lot of kids, you go to Mass and it's noisy because there are babies and kids and teenagers. I mean, that's a sign of life in a Catholic parish. It's a sign of vitality. And you don't have to be Catholic to attend Mass. You can go to Mass, you can sit there, you can pray, you can stand, sit, kneel, or you don't have to do those things if you don't want to. But allow yourself to enter into the beauty of the family of God worshiping together as a family at Mass on Sunday. And begin to experience that. And you can go into the church hall. Nobody's going to say boo. You're completely welcome. You don't have to feel like the alarm is going to go off just because you're not a Catholic. You will be welcomed at whatever Catholic parish you choose to start going to. And maybe you can tell the priest, you know, I'm not even a Catholic. I just listen to Catholic radio. I'm intrigued. I want to find out more. And to whatever extent you're interested in assistance, I know that they will do that. Then what I would suggest is if you feel so moved, and I hope you will, then you can say, well, I would like to become Catholic. And you can enroll in what traditionally has been called RCIA. I know they've changed the name recently. And that just stands for Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults. And it's, it's a program, it's, a, it's a, a way in which you can begin to learn more in a more formal way about the Catholic Church. There's no obligation. You don't have to sign a contract. You don't have to pay anything. You're, you're not obligated to do anything. You're just enrolling in these classes to learn more about the Catholic faith with an eye toward, hmm, maybe do I want to become Catholic? And as I say, my hope is that you will become Catholic because then what happens is once you become Catholic, certain things will accrue to you. Number one, most importantly of all, of course, the sacraments. You'll be able to receive our Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. He's there present 
under the appearances of bread and wine, body, blood, soul, and divinity, the resurrected, glorified Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father in all power and glory, he is present sacramentally, substantially. And that doesn't mean mainly. It means that the very reality of the glorified, resurrected Jesus is present. And it's under the appearance of what looks like a host of bread. That's what it was before the consecration at Mass. And when the miracle of transubstantiation takes place, it continues to look like bread, but the glorified, resurrected Jesus is truly present now. In place of what was once bread, it's now Jesus. And the reason I dwell on that topic is because Jesus says to you, you know, he says, come to me, all you who are heavenly burdened, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And one of the things that you will receive refreshment for for your soul and your mind and your emotions is to receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. And you can do that as a Catholic. You can be present at Mass and participate in that sense at Mass, but wouldn't it be so much better to be able to go forward and kneel down and receive receive Holy Communion where you receive Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity into your very self? That will also help accelerate the healing process. I guarantee it. And so that too will follow along with being in a parish community where you will get to know people. And who knows, maybe you find a much better job because you'll make connections with people who say, oh, really? You've got these artistic skills? Well, this company over here or my company or something like that, Those, that's possible. I mean, I can't guarantee anything there, but that's possible. You're going to meet young women. You're going to, well, you're going to meet eligible young women. You're going to meet young married women, but that's a whole different story, of course. They're happily married, but you're going to meet young women. You're going to meet young women who are interested in marriage, just like you are. When you go to a Catholic parish like that and you become a member and you start living kind of that parish life, a lot of these wonderful things that I can see that you're yearning for will be present in your life. And that would be really, really good. So those are my thoughts. That's my suggestion. Maybe you can even put your artistic use to good use in the parish bulletin. You could say, you know, Father, I'd be happy to supply some really cool religious art. Here's some examples of it. What do you think? You may say, oh, that's really great. And you could say, I'm going to give my time and talent. I'm going to volunteer to do a a beautiful religious image every bulletin or every month in the bulletin or something. I mean, you can do things like that. So these are outlets that are waiting for you. And in the meantime, of course, please keep listening to Relevant Radio. Keep Just listen to all the programming as you already do. Um, get the Relevant Radio app on your phone so that at odd moments of the day or night when you're experiencing loneliness or you're experiencing a sense of emptiness, you can jump on the app and, and pray prayers that are there in the Treasury of Prayer section. There are so many things there on the Relevant Radio app that can help you. We're here for you. Preston. We are here for you. I am here for you. We care about you. Uh, Of course, the Lord cares about you far more than we do, but we really do care about you. We want you to be happy. So perhaps ponder those ideas that I'm putting forth there. Think about it. If you ever want to call in and talk, I'm here for you. We're all here for you, okay? Never doubt that. Never feel like you don't belong. And if I can adopt you into the relevant radio family in an honorary way, you are so adopted. And I'm going to ask all of the people listening who are hearing this coming from you, the cry from your heart, 
to remember you in your prayers, to remember, I'm sorry, to remember you in their prayers. And I'll leave it at that. But I hope that those thoughts are useful to you. I hope they're helpful. I hope they're comforting to you because I don't want to see you going, you know, in this sort of state of being discombobulated and don't know where you fit. There's a whole family waiting for you, waiting to welcome you. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Quick time out. We'll come back with phone calls and emails. The number to call to be on the air is 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Young women, you tell me that you're looking for a great Catholic man. You just can't find him. Well, I think in due time, Preston will be one of those great Catholic men. They are out there. So keep praying that God will make your path intersect with his path at some point along the way. I'll be right back. Big time gratitude to Charity Mobile for sponsoring the Patrick Madrid Show. They're a pro-life cell phone company with nationwide coverage and no contracts. You can choose from the latest phones or bring your own. New customers can mention Patrick for a free phone or another offer. Info at CharityMobile.com. Compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. What? Turn this up. What is this? When we went karaoke with Cyrus the other night, somebody recorded it. Let's play this. This is good. Cyrus is good at karaoke. He's not that good. Come on, Cyrus, do it. Pick up the pace. It's actually better than he was the last time Cyrus did karaoke. He's got the dance moves, though. I give him that. I didn't realize anybody recorded that when Cyrus and the whole gang of us went out karaoke. Let me hear a little bit more of that. Yeah. Okay, I remember it well. 888-914-9149. Let's get over to Matthew now in Columbus, New Jersey. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, how's it going? I'm doing fine, thank you. I'm loving life. The honest truth is not too bad for a sinner. That's great. Glad to hear that. And uh, glad you had a good night out at karaoke. Oh, man, you should have seen Cyrus. He was on fire. <laughs> he was on fire. It's great. He's got those dance moves. That's for sure. Listen, listen to it. The man's on fire here. Yeah. Okay, let's get to your question. Well, um, I was just listening to the letter you read from Preston. Yes. And... And uh, that was uh, it was very touching, and it took a lot of guts for him to reach out and say all that. Yeah, and um, at, at first, I, w- I was really thinking, "Oh man, it's it's too bad." There's, you know, there's something wrong. There's a real longing there and a desire for change. And then um, I just wanted to make an observation. Then it kind of struck me that he's um, he's living exactly as our Lord lived. He's a 28 year old single manual laborer who's probably underutilized. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just wanted to point out that he has all the ingredients to 
live the life of Christ there. And, you know, I hope things change for him and I pray that's the case. But if not, he's uh, got something special to relate to our Lord about. That's a very touching thought, uh, Matthew. And I like how you're tying it in with Jesus. Of course, Jesus was a man on a mission. He knew exactly why he was there and what he was doing. But, you know, he didn't have a wife. He didn't have children. He didn't have the comforts that most of us have. You know, most people get married. And you're right, the Lord was a solo artist. He was on his own. And even his friends let him down. So I I think that's a very helpful connection you're making there. Yes, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay, well, it's kind of you to think about him. Say a little prayer for Preston. I mean, he's on a journey, no doubt. And I hope and pray that the journey ends up where I was describing, where he can avail himself of all the things that we talked about earlier. But it's good to know that you're praying for him as well, Matthew. Thank you. 888-914-9149. Go over to Mike now in Illinois. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Happy to. Hey, I've got a question about my Catholic faith. Okay. Uh, I'm in my 60s now, and I was born and raised Catholic. Okay. And while I was in my 30s, after a divorce, I was dating a woman and ended up going to a Lutheran church mm-hmm. and spent maybe a year or two there at the Lutheran church. Okay. And that didn't She last. was Lutheran? Is that why you were she there? She was Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Yes. She, she talked me into going there. And since then, I've gotten back into my Catholic religion back in my 40s and continued through to today, and I'm remarried to a Catholic woman, and pretty happy. But cleaning out some papers a while back, I found where I was actually, it states that I was confirmed Lutheran okay. in that. So my, I Tell guess my about, question is, am okay, I still Catholic or not Catholic? You're still Catholic, but I think we need to do a little uh, little repair work here. Can I ask you a couple of questions that will help me answer sure. more? Okay. So you were, I'm guessing you were born into a Catholic family, probably baptized when you were an infant. Yes. Did you? Is that true? Yes. Okay. Did you make your first Holy Communion? Yes, I did. Okay. First Communion and Confirmation. Were you confirmed in the Catholic Church? Yes, I was. Okay, great. So you received what are called the three sacraments of initiation. So baptism, confirmation, and the Holy Eucharist. So you are a fully initiated Catholic. Now, right. at some point thereafter in your adult life, you left the Catholic Church, you spent time in the Lutheran church you went to, dating a Lutheran lady, etc. Now you're going back to Mass, you're back in the Catholic Church, is that right? Correct. Okay. So two points, one directly answering your question. Yes, you are a Catholic, but you never ceased being a Catholic. And the thing to note is that the sacraments of initiation, you are, you might say, indelibly conformed to Christ in these sacraments of initiation, and your identity as a Catholic is permanent. People leave, and they can even renounce the Catholic faith, but it doesn't change the ontological nature that through these sacraments of initiation they have been conform to Christ in a way that can't be undone. So this is where the saying, once a Catholic, always a Catholic, might apply from an ontological standpoint. 
True, you you did depart, you lived apart from the church for a while, but now you're back. So if you haven't already gone to confession, and, and among whatever other mortal sins you may have, raise this issue of that you left the Catholic Church, but now you're back, then that's the final hurdle left for you to get completely back on track. So okay. do you mind, I'm not trying to be nosy, but do you mind if I ask you, have you already done that? Have you already gone to confession no, and brought all I, these things I, up? I go to confession quite regularly, but I yeah. just, I didn't realize this till I found this paper oh, a couple months ago, and I just wasn't sure how to handle that. There's nothing to do because the, there is no such thing. In, I mean, I don't mean to offend anybody, but it's the truth. The Catholic Church does not recognize any of those sacraments. I mean, it would recognize baptism and holy matrimony in the Lutheran world. It does recommend rec- recognize rather those as sacraments. But there is no such thing as a valid Lutheran confirmation. So you went through a ceremony in the Lutheran Church, and it was called confirmation, but it didn't actually impart the sacrament. Now, here's something to note. The fact that you had already been confirmed validly in the Catholic Church, you you can't repeat that sacrament. So that's one thing. And the second thing is it's not even a valid sacrament in the first place in the Lutheran Church. Again, with no disrespect intended to our Lutheran friends, I'm not trying to poke anyone in the eye here. I'm just saying the Church would not recognize that as a sacrament. So you, okay. it's superfluous for you. You don't have to worry about it. But it'd still be best to confess that as a as a sin, I guess. It would be, yes, because it is a serious sin to leave the Catholic Church. And you left as an adult, and you had sufficient knowledge, I'm presuming, and you dabbled in the Lutheran world for a while. So yes, that's all matter for confession. You'd bring that up. I, I left the Catholic Church. I was gone for X number of years or whatever it was. I missed Mass on Sunday for all those years. Um, I, I even went through um, attempting to receive a sacrament or sacraments in the Lutheran Church. Communion, presumably, and confirmation. That's all matter for confession. And the priest will understand. All right. Well, I, I confess leaving the Catholic Church, but I, like I say, until I recently found that paper, I forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, so the way to handle it doesn't have to be a huge deal. You could say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been you know, five weeks or four weeks since my last confession. When I went to confession a while back and I confessed the sin of leaving the Catholic Church, I didn't realize that I should also have mentioned, you know, attempting to receive a quote-unquote sacrament. And it came to my conscience. I saw a document, made me think about it. So I just want to bring it up now and put it out there and be done with it. And then you leave it at the foot of the cross and everything's good. Okay, great. I'm glad you're back home, Mike. I'm glad you're back. Yeah, home. How long have you been back? I'm, oh, probably 20 years. Oh, okay. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I been, thought this was like in the last few months or something. No, no, I've been back a long time. This was back in my 30s, and I'm in my 60s now. God, you uh, mentioned that. It was that, just yeah. kind, of a, kind of a little brief period where I was away from it, and uh, it didn't dawn on me I was doing anything wrong at the time, but now I, the more I get deeper and deeper into my faith, I think I realize I was... I, I did something wrong. Well, you did. I mean, objectively, you did. Subjectively, who knows what the state of your awareness was, and only God can really know that, and you can more or less know that. 
But if your conscience is troubling you, then that means that there's a, a reason then that you should bring it up. That way you, you know that it's not a problem anymore after you bring it up in confession. It's over and done with. It's been forgiven. And you can move forward in peace and not have to worry about that. Great. That helps. I'm glad. Well, I'm glad you're back, Mike. Let's celebrate. Yes, sir. All right. All Thank right. you very much. Appreciate your show. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. 888-914-9149. Don't forget, everybody, you are one good confession away from becoming a potential saint. doesn't matter where you are right now, what you're doing. You could be steeped in the grossest sins right now, but God is calling you to repent, and he'll give you the graces necessary to repent and to be healed. Like the leper, we had that reading the other day, from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, the leper calls out to Jesus, I know that if you wish to heal me, you can do it. And Jesus says, I do wish to heal you. Be healed. And boom, just like that, the man is healed. So the Lord is waiting for you to turn to him and cooperate with his grace. So when it comes to confession, also known as reconciliation, this is a powerful sacrament instituted by Jesus as all the sacraments are, and it gives you grace. In John chapter 20, beginning in verse 20, you, you can get the context of it. Jesus breathes on the, the apostles and says, he who sinned you forgive or forgiven them. He who sinned you hold bound or held bound. So he's, he's imparting to them a special God-given ability to forgive sins in his name. With his power, it's not the power of the priest, it's the power of Jesus working in the sacrament, working through the ministry of the priest, and it's like a nuclear weapon against your sins. It annihilates them. It, it cleanses you. And so no matter where you are in your spiritual life, and especially if you find yourself steeped in sin and you want out, you don't want to live this way anymore. You're like the prodigal son. I don't like living behind the dumpster eating scraps. I don't want to live that way. You don't have to. Go to confession. Get it all out there. Don't hold anything back. If you intentionally hold back or conceal a serious sin, well, then you've you know, complicated the problem because now it's a sacrilegious confession, so it doesn't have any spiritual benefit for you. Just be open and honest. You can't play games with God anyway. Just be open and honest, number and kind. This is the kind of sin I committed, and I committed this sin X number of times, or it happened so often, I don't even remember how many times, You know that kind of thing. You do the best you can. And when you're done, man, you're going to walk out of the confessional walking on air. You're going to be so elated. You're going to be so liberated from these sins that are holding you down. So why not do that? I mean, what have you got to lose except your soul, right? 888-914-9149. Let's see, getting back to some quick emails here. This is from Lynn Rose. Oh, sorry, Lynn Rose. You said, can I keep you anonymous? But I said your name, so sorry about that. I won't tell you where she's listening, though. And she says, um, I became aware of an article written by a priest who says that the St. Michael the Archangel prayer should not be said as a group after Mass because it does not appear in the order of Mass in the current Roman Missal. Uh, I believe that he includes even after the priest has left the sanctuary. He also says that the closing hymn is not in the rubrics, but he doesn't seem to have any qualms with it since it is mentioned in the USCCB instruction or introduction to the order of the Mass as a pastoral resource. 
is this just his opinion or is his explanation something? And she gives me a link to the article. Thank you. Okay, well, I'll put it this way. First of all, the prayer as it was composed by Pope Leo XIII, and that would have been right around the turn of the 20th century. So he was Pope 1900, 1901, 1902, etc. Uh, ha- the, the vision he had might have taken place slightly before that. But in any case, Pope Leo XIII, he, after celebrating Mass, he was in his, um, in, in his uh, what's the word for it, uh, his Thanksgiving after Mass, and God granted him a vision of what would be like the next century of demonic destruction and wreaking havoc in the Catholic Church. And he was so overcome by what he saw, he was so aghast at what he, what he saw in this vision that he asked them to bring him paper and pen, and he composed the St. Michael the Archangel prayer then and there. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our safeguard against the wickedness and protect and, and uh, snares of the devil. That prayer. There are some slight variations depending on which version you're praying, but that's the prayer. And he mandated that that prayer be prayed at the end of every Mass. So it was part of the Church's official liturgy when he interpolated it into the liturgy, pray this. Now, it wasn't during the Mass proper. This would be prayed after Mass was over. And so it wouldn't be prayed by the priest at the altar. It would be after the priest had left the sanctuary, he would turn, he would kneel down, and he and the congregation would pray this prayer together. And it was an invocation of spiritual warfare against the evil one. And it came directly from the Pope. And he said, this is what everybody in the Latin rite of the Church should be praying. And so they did for the better part of you know, 50, 60 years. Then came Vatican II. And it was at that time that this prayer was then abrogated. I don't, I mean, I could speculate on why it might have been abrogated, but it didn't really make any theological sense or pastoral sense to me to abrogate a prayer in the middle of the century in which the Pope saw a vision of the evil one doing terrible damage to the souls of Catholic faithful and to the Church, I mean, why on earth would you want to cease praying that prayer of all times? You'd think that you'd want to do all the more so, pray the prayer. But in any case, the prayer was abrogated. So it is true, it's not technically part of it, but that doesn't mean that when Mass is over... So to your point, I disagree with the perception of the priest on this issue. When Mass is over and the priest has left the sanctuary to pray the prayer of St. Michael the Archangel in no way is violating either the letter or the spirit of the Church's instruction on how Mass is to be celebrated, because by definition, this is taking place after Mass. So, I know people, I know parish priests, for example, who have retained this custom or instituted the custom in their parish, and it's a beautiful thing, and it's a very powerful prayer of spiritual warfare. So, If I were ever the pastor of a parish, I'll never be a pastor of a parish because I'm a married man. But if I ever were the pastor of a parish, or if I were a bishop, I never will be because I'm a married man. But if I were a bishop, I would easily see myself saying, guess what, everybody, from now on, in all the parishes of my diocese, we're going to pray the prayer of St. Michael the Archangel. I think that would be a beautiful thing and a powerful pushback against this present darkness. But since that's not something I'll ever have a chance to do, uh, we can only thank those priests and bishops who do have this as part of the liturgical or the extra liturgical 
um, practice in their churches. And perhaps some priests listening now might think, you know, that's a good idea. Not during Mass, after Mass is over, after the priest has left the sanctuary. Uh, I think that would be wonderful. So those are my thoughts, Lynn, and I appreciate you writing to me. Thank you for that. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back to your phone calls and more emails. The number to call again, 888-914-9149. Want to hear some more Cyrus? At the, um, not at the disco, this was at the karaoke. I'm surprised somebody recorded this. We'll be right back. This hour is sponsored by Christendom College's Free Principles Classes. Sign up for a free online class on Holy Scripture today at NewTestamentFoundations.com. Learn to read the Bible with the mind of the church at NewTestamentFoundations.com. Hello. Hello again. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Real life solutions you can believe in. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. The Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Okay, let's come back to the phones. We'll start with Bob in Ohio. Good morning, Bob. Hey, good morning, Patrick. I just have a curiosity question as a Catholic Christian or a Mm -hmm. Christian Catholic. I guess we could be both at the same time. But what are we supposed to do with the LGBTQ community? Are we supposed to make them hide behind a dumpster eating scraps? And a dumpster can't be on church property? And when they Mm -hmm. die, we should just toss them in the dumpster and be be done with them? What do you mean by that? Well, it seems like... It seems like... we're, We're eliminating them from our community based on their um, lifestyle and activity, but, and we're not being Christian about it. Hmm. How did you come we're to not, that conclusion? We're not, we're not, we're not being welcoming. We're this, they had this funeral out in, in New York, and heaven forbid that we have a funeral for a Catholic person that happens to be transgender, and it got a little out of hand, I suppose. But Well, just some background on that, Bob. You should watch the videos. First of all, the person in question wasn't Catholic person in question was an avowed atheist so wasn't even a catholic which further you know um, but how did you come to the conclusion though that the cat the catholic church makes people how did you put it eat out of a dumpster or something i mean well you were you mentioned we're not supposed to hide behind a dumpster eating scraps right and come home to the house of the father and repent is what i was referring to but fair enough fair enough i did say that that's true but how does that we're tie saying, in with saying, this issue? What we're saying is that the LGBTQ people should just go, go hide somewhere. I mean, they're not welcome. How did you come to that conclusion? Who said that? Well, even my, my parish priest says that he has difficulty with this, with this uh, uh, theory of should he give any kind of blessing to an LG, a person of that persuasion. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't wear his vestments. He can't wear his um, priestly uh, garb, but and he feels uncomfortable even giving him a simple blessing. I think if Jesus showed up, he would. 
Well, yeah, I, I see your point. Um, the thing to remember is that when somebody was in some really dire predicament because of a lifestyle choice, like the woman caught in adultery, she was heterosexual, and Jesus says, go and sin no more. So he he blessed people, he helped people, but he also admonished them to stop sinning. Right. So that's, that, that's his modus to. operandi there. But in the case of what I was referring if that's what you're referring to, Bob, the incident that I shared with today that took place at St. Patrick's Cathedral, um, this man who was, who was, you know, transgender was not even a Catholic. So it wasn't a, a massive Christian burial that should have been held in the first place. And it was really, I mean, if you look at the videos, it was just a terrible uh, mockery of the Catholic faith. Okay. okay. And, and, I mean, we should have, don't you think we should have some guidelines that if somebody is going to be held up as an icon for perversion and sin, that we shouldn't do it in a Catholic church in the context of a mass, it would seem to conflict with what the point of the mass is, wouldn't it? Right. I understand. Yeah, I think so. So that's the first thing. Number one, this person wasn't even Catholic. who was an atheist. Um, the other thing, too, it's interesting, is that the church's law actually foresees situations in which the church, when priests are told, you are not able to give a massive Christian burial for somebody. And, and I pulled it up while we were talking. If you're interested, you can see it online. Just type in Catholic canon law, and you'll find it at the Vatican website. And I'll just quote to you from the section starting in paragraph 1183, and then there's some subsections there. But just quickly, I'll, I'll quote it for you. When it concerns funerals, catechumens, those are those who are not in the church yet but on their way in, uh, must be counted among the Christian faithful. The local ordinary or bishop can permit children whom the parents intended to baptize but who died before baptism to be given ecclesiastical funerals. In the prudent judgment of the local ordinary, Ecclesiastical funerals can be granted to baptized persons who are enrolled in a non-Catholic church or ecclesial community unless their intention is evidently to the contrary, meaning that they've rejected the Catholic church. And then here is the next section where it talks about those for whom a, a, a massive Christian burial cannot be given. So unless they gave some signs of repentance before death, which this person who's, um, this man who's, whose funeral took place in this garish way at St. Patrick's Cathedral, definitely did not give any signs of repentance based on everything that we know. The following categories must be deprived of ecclesiastical funerals, which means the Church forbids that there should be a massive Christian burial in a Catholic Church. Number one, notorious apostates, heretics, or schismatics. Number two, those who chose cremation of their bodies for reasons contrary to the Christian faith. Number three, other manifest sinners who cannot be granted ecclesiastical funerals without public scandal of the faithful. That's exactly what this was. It scandalized people. And this, the last one is, if any doubts occur, the local ordinary is to be consulted and his judgment is to be followed. And that's where Cardinal Dolan, after the fact, made his statement. And he says, I do not concur. This should not have happened. And steps were taken to try to remedy that. Um, so that's where the church says, you know, unfortunately, there are times where because of the person's way of life and unrepentance and scandal and things like that, we don't do this. So you know, I wouldn't say, any, Bob, I'll throw it back to you time. and see what you think, but I wouldn't say that this is in any way saying, hey, you've got to eat scraps out of the dumpster, but rather 
as Jesus said, go and sin no more, repent, and and get right with God, and sure, we'll have a massive Christian burial for you, but if you're not willing to repent and turn to Jesus, then what's the point of it? So those are my thoughts, Bob. What do you think? I think you're probably guiding me in the right direction, and I thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. I appreciate your calm demeanor, Bob. Thank you for that. It's good to talk about these things, that's for sure. 888-914-9149. How about Daisy now in Colorado? Hi, Daisy. Good morning, Sir Patrick. Good morning. Um, I want to ask advice, or okay. how do you advise an unmarried couple who is expecting a child and who plans to marry after a year? And how to tell me about the couple? Like, Catholic, non-Catholic. Who are they? I mean, you, I don't mean their names, but I mean, what's their situation? Yeah. One is Catholic, one is has been Catholic before but went to another religion okay. but plans to be Catholic. Okay, so there one is Catholic and is living in a state of objective sin, fornication. Have either of them been married before? No. Okay. So you have two people who love each other, they have a baby together, they're obviously fornicating, hence the baby, and they in some way say, yes, I want to be Catholic, but I, I don't want to be Catholic quite yet, so we're going to wait before we get right with God. Is that right? Um, the financial thing, the reason, one reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, first of all, finances are important and we all have to deal with them. I understand it. But there's a higher important thing than finances and that's your immortal soul, right? So Mm -hmm. your eternal destiny, happiness with God in heaven forever, or separation and pain from being alienated from God forever, and sexual sin of all different types falls into the category of sins that would separate somebody from God forever. So if I you ask me what would I do or how would I advise a couple like this, I'd say, if you're going to get married, the first thing you should do is get right with God. Go to confession. Be sorry for your sins. Truly sorry. Confess them in the sacrament of confession, also known as reconciliation. Stop committing the sin that is causing this problem, fornication, get a different apartment, she's in one place, he's in the other, mm. and and stay in that living arrangement until they get married, talk to the parish priest, let's get this thing going, let's get the paperwork filed. It typically would take a minimum of six months. They'd need to go through some marriage prep, which is good, and they need it. Okay. And then six months, seven months, eight months from now, they get married at some point along the way, the baby arrives, either before or after that. But they are in the state of grace. They're living according to God's plan for their happiness. Then they get married. The baby comes. What a wonderful thing. But if they're thinking that they will just stay in this current situation, I mean, that's it's extremely risky because if you were to die in that state, unrepentant, Guess what? You go to hell. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants that. Yeah. God, of, of all people, doesn't want that. He wants us to be happy and to be saved. 
And so it's a simple thing for them to take those steps and correct the problem and live happily ever after. But if they don't, then you would you could say to them, well, then do you really want to be right with God? Or are you just saying that? Because if you don't really want to be right with God, you're going about it the right way to stay in the state of mortal sin. And that, of course, leads ultimately to hell if you don't repent. So maybe talk to them about those things. Thank you. Can I have one more question, Doug? I would love to. The only problem is we have about 30 seconds left, Daisy, before the music's going to start playing. So are these people, before you go real quick, are these people that you know, are they family members? Do you have the ability to talk with them this way? Yeah, one is family, yeah. Well, good. I mean, be loving and tactful and be, you know, show them that you care about them. Thank you. You're not condemning them. You're trying to help them. You're trying to help them have a happier life. And hopefully they'll see what you're saying. And I'll say a little prayer that it works, Daisy. Thank you. I'm coming back with Hour 3 in just a moment. You can be part of the experience when you call 888-914-9149. I have a line or two open, so call now. I'll be right back. 